is the first day that Christians in the western part of the world start preparing for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Because Advent means arrival, the arrival of God as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. And we anticipate the second arrival or second coming of Jesus Christ because he's coming back for us so that we can be with him forever. And we look forward to that. We're waiting for that. We're hoping for that. We're all anticipating his second arrival. So this season of Advent really encompasses three different perspectives of the coming of Christ. First, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, then the acceptance of Jesus into the hearts of believers, and finally, the second coming or the second arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, this is more strictly observed in liturgical church services. They have a few more traditions. In evangelical services, we, we light the candles and we read the scriptures, but we don't really have any strict traditions about how we observe Advent. But this morning, I'd like to talk about hope, because traditionally, hope is the first theme on the first Advent Sunday, and there's a lot of great scripture passages centered on hope. So we're going to look at a whole bunch of them, and I've been praying that it will really encourage you in your faith today. So get ready. I'd like to start in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Confidence and assurance. In this verse, hope is linked with faith. This scripture is telling us that faith means you believe in whatever you're hoping for. According to this verse, if you hope for something to happen, but you don't really think that it's going to happen, you're not demonstrating faith. If you put your hope in someone, but you constantly have doubts about that someone, then you have no faith in that someone. Faith and hope are linked. Faith doesn't exist without hope. If you hope that your favorite hockey team is going to win their next game, but you, deep down inside, you think that they're probably going to lose, then you really don't have faith in that team to win. I mean, that makes sense, right? That's logical. Now, for some reason, many believers, many Christians tend to skip over this basic logic. For instance, if you are constantly doubting God's existence or doubting who God is, or you've never really been sure about what you really believe, or maybe you want to believe in God, but you really don't believe everything that the Bible has to say, then I've got news for you. You don't have faith. 
what you've got is a partial belief in something that you're constantly doubting. And that's not nearly good enough. That's not going to last. There's nothing meaningful in that. Faith in Jesus Christ is being confident of what you hope for and having assurance of what you do not see and making a choice to be absolutely sure of what's invisible. Confidence and assurance, strong words. I love that. I love Scripture. So, as believers in Jesus Christ then, what should we be hoping for? Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome verse. In Hebrews 11, hope is linked with faith, and here in Romans, hope is linked with trust. So part of hoping is trusting in God, trusting in His promises, trusting in His love, trusting in His plans for you, His care and provision for you. That's what we're hoping for, the fulfillment of these things, the fulfillment of His promise to us that He's coming back for us because He wants to be with us. If you ask me if I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back on a white horse in the clouds and every eye will see him and every ear will hear him and every knee on the earth will bow before him, I say, yes, I believe that. Why? Because it's written. It's written in his word. And I trust him. I've put all of my hope in him alone. What are you hoping for? Ask yourself this morning, what are you hoping and waiting for? This first Advent Sunday is a good day to ask ourselves these questions. You know, people put their hope in a lot of different things. Money, that's the most common one, I think. Most people are hoping for more money. Got to make more money because they think it will solve more problems or make life easier, I guess, but we know that that's a lie. People keep hoping for more money, though. That's why the lottery jackpots get up to $70 million because there's that many people hoping to win. Then there's people. Many people will put their hope in other people, like in humanity. Now, God can use people for His good. He gives wisdom to medical and healthcare workers and first response teams, and you name it, God can work through all kinds of different people to answer prayers. But humanity 
is probably the very last place I'd put my eternal hope. Humanity's going down. Humanity's a total mess. God's Word says there's not one person, not one, that has ever lived or is living or that ever will live on this earth except for Jesus that is good. Not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. Look, look it up for yourself. Let me tell you something, and I want to be absolutely clear here. God is your only hope. Jesus Christ is our only eternal hope. There is nothing that compares with the God of hope and the power of His Holy Spirit that can fill you with joy and peace. Nothing. I'll be happy if you only remember that this morning. God is your only hope. But I have more. Let's go back in Romans a bit to chapter 8, verse 24. It says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So this verse, once again, is emphasizing the links to hope with faith and trust. The Apostle Paul is hammering home the fact that you're not going to be able to see the proof. After Jesus rose from the dead and came out of the tomb, Jesus tells Thomas, who was doubting, what he was seeing, to put his hand into Jesus' side, where the spear was thrust into him on the cross. And in Scripture, it says, then Thomas finally believed after he touches the wounds on Jesus' body from the crucifixion. That's what it took for him to trust and hope and have faith. Jesus then says to Thomas in John 20, 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now that's us. We're the ones that haven't seen these things. I can say, and I know in my heart that I see God at work every day in my life and other people's lives and in creation. I believe that. I believe that all truth is God's truth. I believe that God gives me my every breath, and I know that He answers my prayers, but someone else can attribute those same things to coincidence or science, or other beliefs. So what do we do? You have to hold fast to the hope you profess in Jesus Christ. You have to be strong and stand firm and be confident. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. There's no room to be wishy-washy or sit on the fence. That means 
that we take a risk socially in our community. You see, believers in Jesus Christ see the world and our role in the world differently than those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. It's true. We're weird. We're not the same. We're different. We're strangers here on this earth. We're aliens waiting to go and be in the spiritual realm with Jesus Christ full time. We're hoping and waiting for his second arrival, his second coming. The Israelites waited and hoped for the prophecy of the Messiah to be fulfilled for a long, long time. He came down, God came down as God incarnate, lived 33 years on the earth, was crucified for all of our sins, was raised to life again, and is now sitting at God's right hand in heaven. And now, we're waiting and hoping for Him to come back so that we can live forever in peace with Him. We're longing for that. We're waiting for that. We're hoping for that. In Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16, it says that Abraham and Noah and all the other patriarchs of the faith were also just waiting and hoping, like us. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth, People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. See, we are part of this same story. If you believe and have faith in God and you're hoping to be with him forever, then earth is not the home you're looking for. It's not the home you're hoping for, longing for. Heaven is the country we are hoping and waiting for. We should be hoping and praying for Jesus' return all day, every day. I don't, though. I get so busy. I, there's so many things that I want to do. I get so caught up and obsessed with my work and family and hobbies. I love fishing. I've recently taken up hunting again. All through the pandemic, I've plunged myself deep into the heart of traditional Scottish and Irish music. I've been learning the bagpipes and the small pipes, and I have a kilt now, and it takes a lot of time and money and effort. My wife just shakes her head. She can't understand why I get so obsessed with these things. Actually, I, I remember asking Tammy not too long ago what she was hoping for. I think I... <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked <laughs> I think I asked uh, what do you see us doing in the next five years like, 
You know, what should we try to accomplish? What, what do you want to do next? Some, something like that. I asked her something like that. So she said, well, I want Jesus to come back. And I said, yeah, but aren't you hoping for anything else? And she said, yeah, I'm actually, I'm hoping that Jesus comes back today. <laughs> then she said, I pray every day that Jesus will come back today. That's a true story. That's what she told me. So me, being the narcissistic husband that I am, I immediately start picturing us waking up in the morning. She does one of these stretches, looks over at me, and prays, Lord Jesus, please come back today. <laughs> you see, I start to think that it must be because of me that she wants Jesus to come back. She must be getting tired of me. Everything revolves around me. That's in my DNA. It's very sad. But as it turns out, she's confident and sure of what she's hoping for. She knows that there's nothing on this earth that is better than being with Jesus Christ in heaven. It actually has nothing to do with me. I hope. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with having dreams and goals and hobbies and careers and chasing after the things that you're passionate about. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. The point that I'm trying to make is that children of God us, followers of Jesus Christ, need to be reminded and encouraged that our ultimate hope lies in God and God alone. Don't get so distracted by the things of this earth that fade away that you forget what we're really here living for, and that's the hope that we have in our personal Savior, and it should cause us to rejoice. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it reminds us, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above not on earthly things. David also reminds us when he's shouting out to God in Psalm 71, 14, he tells us, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. And again, in Psalm 130, verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in His Word, I put my hope. That kind of waiting and hoping and trusting in God brings peace and joy that can overflow and touch the others around you. What are you hoping for this morning? 
you know, maybe your life isn't going very well right now. Maybe you're physically sick or someone close to you is dying. Maybe you're depressed and you just can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. You can only see darkness. Are you feeling alone? Are you feeling weak? Do you feel like giving up? Maybe you feel like you just don't have any friends. Maybe you have no hope left in you at all. There are promises that God has made to you, to us, that when we believe in them and hope for them, can help to lift us out of our own despair and loneliness. There are many truths in Scripture that can restore our souls and fill our hearts and minds with joy and peace again. But it requires a step of faith. You have, it, it, it requires an unswerving hope. You have to believe in the one that makes the promises. You have to be confident and sure of what you're hoping for. You have to trust in what you're hoping for. Now, I'm going to read some verses to you now that you should know when you're going through a difficult period in your life. And I can tell you that knowing Scripture, memorizing Scripture, speaking Scripture, believing Scripture has filled me and sustained me and given me life in some very dark and turbulent times in my own life. So I speak with authority here. So here's a few scriptures to start. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. This one's probably familiar to you. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, this applies to us. It applies to you and to me, even though it was written so long ago. If you ask Jesus, He will give you strength when you are weak in order to carry on and finish strong. It's a promise. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart so that you can say it out loud wherever you are as an encouragement to yourself or to others around you. Psalm 9, verse 18. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. There's two nevers in that one. This is another one of God's promises to us. If we can remember verses like this when we're down or depressed or in a difficult or painful time, it will bring His light back 
into our lives. These words, God's word to us, will lift us out of darkness and back into His light. With the power of His Holy Spirit, these verses can fill your heart and mind with joy and peace. Then not only will you feel renewed, but the people around you will be touched as well. Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You see, when you are broken, you feel like there's no way out of your situation. You feel like there's no way to get back on track or get right with God. Maybe you just feel like there's just no hope at all. You feel hopeless. Then remember these words. Hope comes from Jesus Christ. He is our hope. It's not something we've created. We don't cause hope to exist when we need it. Hope is always there and has always been there for us because God has always been there waiting for us to come to Him or come back to Him. His words are alive, and the truths and the promises of hope that we've read about today are for you. They are for all of us, and they are for right now. So don't hesitate to read your Bible or your phone or, or however you access the Scriptures, hope is an active process. It requires faith and trust, humility and brokenness, authenticity and transparency. When hope is brought together with confidence and assurance, your faith only gets str stronger. One last verse, even though I, I've really only scratch the surface of hope in the Scriptures, it would be easy to teach a whole class on it. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm waiting for. This is what makes my problems and my little hang-ups seem so insignificant. When I spend time in verses like these, the hope inside me completely swells. My heart feels so full and I know His love and goodness and joy and peace and it's real. We can all access this in the spiritual realm because His Holy Spirit is there to fulfill the promises that He's made to all of us. God loves all of us so much. That's why He came down to us in Bethlehem. He's waiting to be with us too. He's hoping too, I think. He's hoping that we'll turn to Him that our hearts and our minds and our souls will fall into His loving arms and completely surrender to Him. I encourage all of you to do that today. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for all of the promises that You've made to us in Your Word. Thank you for being our hope and for providing for our every need. We celebrate who you are and what you've done, and we put all of our hope in you. And we pray that you would come back for us soon, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.